0: A few years ago, we had a couple get married. Um, Their families had warned them against it. He he was African-American and she was white. So they went to the courthouse and, and got married, and then they joined one of our small groups. It was actually a small group of people that were quite a bit older than them. And the group found out that no one had ever celebrated their wedding, let alone attended it. So the next Sunday night when they showed up for group, there was a beautiful meal with fine china on the table. There was a a wedding cake and they walked in and their their wedding was celebrated and they were encouraged. A few years ago, a, a family had their teenage daughter run away. They immediately called in the middle of the night their small group to say, help us pray for her and search for her. I can remember a teenage boy getting on drugs and That family calling, again, their small group saying, we don't know what to do. Could we meet? Not at our normal meeting time, but right now, could we meet and pray? I think of two men in this church who led a small group together, who developed an eternal friendship that will not go away. I I think of a man who came to this church years ago. He did not believe in small groups. He thought we still ought to all be meeting on Sunday nights. He sat right about where Trey's sitting right now. And behind him for a few rows was Melvin Sykes. And Melvin bugged the stew out of him for two years Till he finally came to that small group. He was a great part of that group. In the long run, he contracted cancer. In the long run, I can remember going to the hospital to visit as he was dying. And the small group surrounded him, praying for him during his last breaths. And then when I stood up on that Thursday to perform the funeral service it was the small group men that were the pallbearers. I know small groups that have served our people in our shed, our, our recovery house. I know of a lady who never knew how to study her Bible on her own until she got involved in a small group, and a lady took her to the side and said, Let me teach you about this. I remember a man being invited to a small group in his neighborhood by the small group leader. He wasn't a Christian. And not only did he become a Christian, but a couple years later his Jewish wife devoted herself to Jesus. I know of one of our groups where all the mothers get together and to save money for each other, they all, all bring their clothes for their children. They do a great exchange, especially this time of year. I can remember a lady who came to this church probably 15 years ago, but her husband didn't want to come here. He would either go to another church in town, or he would sit out there in that parking lot while she was in here. He would not darken these doors. That was until the people in his neighborhood who led a small group invited him to their group, and he experienced community. And if I named his name today, you would know he was one of the most vibrant parts of this church. I remember a man in his 30s who came to Maxwell Air Force, for the Air War College, he ended up staying here as a teacher for a couple of years. He had had a lot of bad church experiences. He came in here and I could tell from the moment I met him, he was very leery about anything to do with his church. He ended up coming through Landmark 101 becoming a member, but even more important than that, he plugged into a small group in his neighborhood. One night, the small group divided into men and women, and everybody started getting open. He said, I want to share with you guys something I've not told a soul in Montgomery. I have a child out of wedlock back in Washington, D.C., and I don't know what to do. And would you help me? And they helped him, and by the time he left this church, not only had he had been served that way, but he had met his bride and was now happily married. We've had so many people come through this church and get turned on by small group ministry that they go back home and they start the same thing in their church. We have a young married man, just got married this past May, was in first service this morning. He moved here from Nebraska about a year and a half ago. Never been a part of a church that did small groups, probably wasn't even sure about it. But now he's contacted all of his Christian friends back in Omaha, Nebraska, that are starting a church, and he's convinced them to start a small group based church. I think of so many couples that have come to our church that were living together outside of marriage. I can think of so many weddings i performed as they've been convicted by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God that they needed to be married. I think of a man who not long ago, after years of being clean, relapsed on drugs, and he lost his driver's license. And he couldn't get to work. So a small group picked him up before work and took him to work and picked him up after for months. I know of a couple that started coming to Lamar by the invitation of friend they lived in millbrook they started though somehow attending one of our good small groups in pike road they went through a tough time in life and that group just huddled around them and helped them they openly said to them you guys have become our family today they are selling their house in millbrook to move to pike road to be close to their small group family I remember a single lady came to our church, got really plugged into a group that was basically married, but they loved her. She was transferred 800 miles away in her job. She didn't have time to get her house ready to sell. So as she left 800 miles away, her small group repaired her house, helped her get it on the market, and sold it. And then she wrote me this letter. It was a long letter. Here's a couple lines. If you, and she's speaking to all of you, if you are unsure about joining a small group, I want you to know your small group can become your lifetime family. Attending a service once a week will not get you there. Small group connections will carry on for years. Guys, I could tell those stories the rest of this morning. I celebrate what God has done in our small groups. You see, there's something that happens in small groups that does not happen here. There's something that happens there that you can't do, just you and Jesus. You can't even do in these pews here. And that's why when we look to Scripture, we see all of these one another passages. One another passages, you cannot obey what God has said in these one another passages unless you do it with people. In fact, there are 59 one another passages in the New Testament. This morning, I want to just read to you rather quickly seven of them. look at Romans chapter 15, accept one another just then as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. I'm telling you guys, when people finally feel accepted is when they go and eat a meal in a home. Look at Romans chapter 12, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. It's when your Christian family starts coming first that you begin to grow. Galatians chapter 5, you my brothers and sisters were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Because I don't know what you need this morning. You don't really know what I need. But if I got in a small group with you, I would know. And you would know. And then we could serve each other. And as we notice these things, we could learn to encourage each other. Look at Hebrews chapter 3. But encourage one another daily as long as it's called today, So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Because you're not going to go into sin if you're part of a group of people that's putting courage in you. And then Romans chapter 15, Paul says, I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. Because please don't get my message wrong this morning. I love what happens here. I've enjoyed every minute of it this morning. But, but we got one problem here is that right now we've got a monologue going on. The great thing that happens in a small group is we have a dialogue, and we all get to learn from one another. And all of these passages could be summed up in the great commandment of John chapter 13. A new command I give you, love one another, is I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now I remind you, those commands cannot be obeyed with just you and Jesus hanging out by yourself. They're probably not even going to be obeyed in this assembly. But they can be obeyed when we put ourselves in an environment of openness, when we move from pews to circles. The great preacher Andy Stanley put it this way. The primary activity of the early church, the primary activity, was one anothering. And then he said this. When everyone sits in rows, you can't do any one anothering. Well... It's obvious that's God's will. How did that first church do it? When the church exploded on the scene in Acts chapter 2 and through the book of Acts, what did they do? Look at Acts chapter 5, verse 42. Day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. What did they do? They found a great place to have a public meeting like this, and then they went into homes where they took care of each other and reached out. The same is true as we get toward the end of the book, Acts chapter 20, verse 20. You know that I've not hesitated to preach anything to you that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly, and where? From house to house. So that's how it happened. And I want you to know just really up front today, if you've not heard this, then you probably had not listened real well the last few years, or if you're new, I want you to hear this. This is how it happens in this church. In Landmark, we would say to you that we are a small group-based church. We're not a church that just happens to do small groups on the side. It's not a sideline issue to us. It's our number one ministry. We're a church that doesn't just do small groups. We are a small group church. Now, that should not surprise anybody. Every one of you, if you're a member here, have been through Landmark one. The expectation was laid out very clearly that as a member of this church, in order for our shepherds to be able to take care of you, and and what they would say, for you to experience this church at its best level, the expectation is for you to be in a small group. Why? Because we want you to experience what can only happen. I know some of us are frightful of it, but what I found with so many people, and I could give so many names, of people that held back and being part of a small group because they were a little afraid of it, when they finally experienced life and spirituality on that level, it was life-changing. You just got to step out. So let me explain just a moment to you about landmark small group ministry. Really, we have three different kinds of groups in this church. First of all, it's what we call life groups. Most of those groups meet in homes. They are, their discussion is based on the Sunday morning message. In other words, if you went to one of these groups, whatever I preached about on Sunday morning, here's the cool thing, at least to me, is you would discuss it and apply it on Sunday night or Sunday afternoon or Tuesday night. And that's that's our primary groups of life groups. And then we started something new because we weren't getting everybody into those groups. We started something new we call ABC groups about five years ago. And those are Wednesday night building-based groups. And you can actually see a list of all of the new ABC groups they're starting a week from this Wednesday night. It is the best and most amazing group night we've ever had, and every room in this building will have some kind of group in it. And then we have service groups like our sewing ministry groups and other groups that they're interested in just going out and doing. Now, Now, let me say to this guy, say this to you. We've tried to diversify the kinds of groups we're doing because. We don't want anybody to have an excuse to say, I don't fit into that kind of group. I guarantee you, if you'll look over this list, if you'll search for it, you can find a group in your age group or an intergenerational group or your community or maybe even here at the building that could be a blessing to you. In fact, Let me tell you just a moment about how you would search for that. If you would go on your computer to our website, landmarkchurch.net, you're going to see a banner going across the page, Okay. And one of those banners is going to say small groups. And within that banner, you can click a slide that says, click here to see a list of all landmark small groups. You can see that right there. And then after you click that, it's going to lead you to search. For instance, if you wanted to be a part of Al Crosby's group, you could just put Al Crosby in there and you'd find his name and details about his group. There's actually on there also an advanced search. And in the advanced search, this is really cool, you could go to age, children's age, life stage, intergenerational, community. You, maybe you say, you know, I live out in Praffle and I'm looking for a group. Or I'm living out in South Montgomery County, and that's where I need my group. Or I'm in town, and I'm trying to find a young marriage group. That's, that's the way we're going to search for groups this year. And, and that's why we're looking for these information forms, so we have a list of every group. So when you start searching over this week, you can find that. So, I hope I've given you enough information that now I'd like to, to invite you to take your notes out. Um, I want you to, to write these things down, if you would. And, and we are calling this message Real Talk. And this morning, let me say, for the next 15 minutes... I'm going to speak very directly. I may be blunt. I may exaggerate some things. I'm not going to take time because I don't have the time to explain exceptions. I don't want you to be offended. And if you're our guest, I hope that you'll just go, wow, this is a pretty open and honest church that has a great desire to serve God. So let's get real. This is a talk we've needed for a long time because we've been doing small groups for a long time. Here's what I see quite honestly with you. We have a big gap in our church between what we know, okay, and between what we actually do. We know from experiences what happens in small groups. I told you over 20 stories at the beginning of this message, and those are only the stories I know. There are a whole lot more stories out there than that. We know from experience that the greater life change happens the smaller group you get a part of. And so we know that. We know that from Scripture, that these one-another passages are not suggestions from God. They are commands of God. We know those things in the church. We know it. We've experienced it. But there seems to be a a gap here between what we know and what we actually do. You see, we took this reveal survey. It, it, It did say some encouraging news to us. We're above average on every small group barometer. It it said we have about 70% of our people in small groups. But there was an alarming statistic there that says we have 60% that are satisfied. And that that scares us a little bit. Because what that creates is this, this gap here in between where we've got too many people falling through it. There are too many folks that we lose in this church because they never really get plugged into relationships. And every statistic says if you don't make a few friends within six months, you probably won't hang around very long. And guys, this is our plan to do that. But what's got to happen is we've got to close this gap between what we know and what some of us have even experienced and what we want every part of this church to experience. So this morning, here's what I want to give you. What is it going to take? We're a slightly above average church right now. We have no desire to be a slightly above average church. Amen? We want to do what God wants us to do. So what is it going to take? Let me talk straight with you. Number one, it's going to take a renewed vision. It's going to take a renewed vision. My friends, when we started small groups 21 years ago, that was the new thing in town. And then there was an excitement and a newness. Many of us were just fired up. We escaped Sunday night church, and that led us for at least five years. Because let me say this to you guys. I know the newness is worn off. And 20 years later, small groups, you, you know I'm going to preach about this. So Some of you are going to say this. I, I've heard the phrase is, oh, I knew Buddy was going to talk about this because they're starting next week. Small groups are just Buddy's thing. Give me a break. This is not Buddy's thing. This is the Lord's thing. And the Lord wants you to have relationships. And some of you can say this kind of thing. I've heard it too often. You know, small. that's just not my thing. I'm not a small group thing kind of person. My friends, I don't know where you are on that, but if you would capture a vision of what God could do, you'd become a small group person. If you knew what it would mean to your life and the support you'd have in your life and the spiritual growth you'd have in your life. Because the whole key to this is vision. Because guys, once you catch a vision of something great happening, it will, man, that will motivate the passion. That'll motivate the work. So, so, my friends, if, if you walk into your small group and you think, okay, we're going to a small group tonight, and maybe you go to a life group, and we're, okay, we're going to discuss Buddy's sermon from this morning. It really wasn't that good anyway, but let's just go ahead and discuss it. L- listen to me. That's all you're going to do. If your vision is we're just going to get through the message, if your vision is we're just going to have a nice little social group that gets together every once in a while, if your vision is we're just going to check the box on Wednesday night and come to an ABC group, let me just go ahead and tell you, you will get what you're after. But if you believe in your heart that God could do something powerful, if before you walk in that living room or that classroom, you have visualized God and the Spirit falling on that place and God having His will in your life, I'm telling you, my friends, it will happen. But it's got to start with a vision. If you see it, you'll be fired up about it. But it's not going to happen if you don't believe in it. And that's why I told you all these stories and read you all those scriptures. Number two, we're going to have to have leaders with initiative. What is initiative? It's to act or take charge before others do. It's the person that's leading the charge that says, you know what? we got to get this thing done, man. we got all these members. Look at this worship service. It's full. And we know this is not enough. So I'm going to take the initiative to, to make sure all my friends get involved in a small group. Uh, there might not be a group in my part of town, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start it. If I could be as blunt and frank as I can with you this morning. We have a really wonderful church. And when we take spiritual gift tests, we score very high, very high on mercy and acceptance. And I love that. But our greatest weakness as a church is we don't have Enough leaders who take the initiative. We don't have enough leaders who say, this is God's vision, come hell or high water, I'm going to be a part of God doing it. That's what we're missing. So we're floating around here with all these sweet, gracious people. Thank God for that. But we're having too many of us sweet, gracious people that really aren't growing. So we're going to have to have some leaders that take initiative, that have a vision for it, that follow a plan that actually prepare for their lesson. Well, they take the, the sermon out loud or take something off Right Now Media, they've got a plan, man. They take the initiative this week to get their form in. That, I mean, that's as simple as we can ask. We need to know about your group. We don't have secretive groups in this church. We don't have closed groups in this church. We need to know what's going on. And you take the initiative and you turn it in. And we've asked all of our leaders this year to take the initiative to go back through our training. It's on our website. All you got to do is look at it. So guys, what would happen, just dream with me a moment, if you and me, we decide. you know what? I don't know what anybody else is going to do here, but I'm going to be a part of, and I'm going to help have a group where God works. And then number three, this is critical also, we need members with commitment. Let me just be frank with you. We live in a time of a lot of sketchy people. And the unfortunate fact is we have a lot of sketchy people walking in these doors. And, and, And so what happens is, you're not opposed to small groups. You think they're a good idea. You wouldn't even argue with me this morning whether they're biblical or not. You know they are. But you getting your bottom to that small group and being a part of it, probably not going to happen. Because what you're going to do is you're going to keep your options open. You know what? I mean, I love that and that's a good idea. But if something better comes up this Sunday, I'm there. If something better comes up Wednesday or, or if I just get tired and I need to sleep through it, You know, or maybe there's something good coming on TV. Guys, let me tell you guys, the most discouraging thing to our leaders is the non-commitment of our members. They're preparing, and they're praying, and they're ready for God to show up, and the truth is they need you to show up. And when you only go to your group once a month, you're never going to experience the community that God has for you. You say, well, buddy, this is, this is going to take some effort on my part. Yeah, it will. In fact, this is going to take work. Relationships are work. And as Annie said just a few moments ago, you get into that group and you're going to find out the quirky parts of me, maybe even the parts you don't like, and I'm going to find out the same things about you. But that's what real love is. That's what makes the church different than any other organization in the world. We don't draw a line and say, you don't fit in here because you're different than me, or your sin struggle is different than me, or your economic background is different than me. No, we're the place that says, you know what? We're going to display how God's love breaks down every barrier. So I want to challenge you. You need to be a committed member. Don't just sign up and flake out. Stay with it. Number, number four, this is also important. We're going to have to constantly form new groups. Any church that's growing in small group ministry is constantly forming new groups. Because if someone comes in this church and we've all been in the same groups for 10 years, then they're, they can't push their way through that. And so what we need are those people to take the initiative and go, you know what, I know this pocket and landmark, and oh, it's going to hurt me to leave the people I love, but we need to start a group over here. Or I know this community right now that we're not reaching for Jesus. We need to do that there. That's I've seen it work. Al Millergren started a group probably five or six years ago called Camo for Christ. I've jokingly called it our redneck group. But I'm telling you what happened is... Al was able to bring in a bunch of guys that love hunting and fishing to talk about Jesus and created a great place for some people that have never been in our groups. Stephanie and I were blessed this past January. We decided to leave a group we've been a part of for years, and we loved to start a a young married, without children, a newlywed group. And I I, I didn't realize until we started that group the amount of people that are newly married or engaged in our church. It's a, a bunch of them. And here's the really shocking thing. They didn't know about each other. They had never met. And now we've got these people who've connected and become a community. And so we've got needs for groups among our older ages. We honestly don't have enough time or groups. We need some good groups over in Emerald Mountain where many of you live. We have a big Need for an active, committed group and prideful. It's been sketchy and it falls off. So here's what I'm asking you. If you see a need, don't say, well, my whole buddy will come up with that or the elders come up. We don't need you to wait on us. That's what's so great about small group ministry. It's organic. It's not a church program. It's not something we can run. It's something that you go, man, I need this. And i I got some folks I know who need this, and I'm going to start this. Be creative. Now, here's what I know. At some point these next few weeks, as we kick off groups, everybody in here is going to make a decision. You're going to make a decision in this group cycle about whether you're going to be a part of groups for the next year and a half. Now, some of you will not make a decision. And the lie that you're not understanding is is to not make a decision, is to make a decision. If you don't make a decision, you've chosen not to be a part of group life. And so here's my challenge to you. On your car ride home today, if it's more than one of you, if it's one of you, just go ahead and talk to yourself and have a good time, all right? But on your car ride home today, if there's more than one person in that car. Somebody take the initiative and bring this up. What are we gonna do about small groups? Are we gonna choose to not be a part? And if you do, we're gonna love you the way we've always loved you. But if you choose to be a part of it, we're gonna do everything we can to bless you. You say, well, buddy, this the truth is I don't think I need it. Number one, I think that's a lie. And number two, it's not about you. If this thing's about you, then just go home and do your thing that's good enough. But this is about reaching out and loving on somebody else. So, let's form some new groups, and then let's all sum it up on number five. We are going to relentlessly pursue, and here's the phrase I want to ingrain in you today. We're going to relentlessly pursue one more. I mean, I, I just I, I want that to be what you remember from this message today. We're going after one more person. We're going to create one more group. We're going to invite one more lost person to this church. We're going to disciple one more person. We're going to save one more marriage. Now that phrase comes from an amazing movie many of you may have seen. If you hadn't, I'm going to show you the preview. Hacksaw Ridge is one of my favorite movies. And it's about this young man that was a conscientious objector who would not not carry a gun and he was made fun of and he was persecuted but he went on the field and he saved a lot of lives in fact he's the only american ever to win the medal of honor from the military without ever shooting a shot what could god do in this church if we prayed that prayer please lord Help me get one more. Help me get one more. We're not talking about going out and reaching two or 3,000 people. We're talking about you getting one more. You're talking about me getting one more. It's talking about me making one more phone call. you making one more visit, one more person that you're going to encourage. And, guys, if, if everybody in this place would buy into that vision of one more, what could we do? You see, I'm telling you this morning, I'm looking for one more military man to come to this town and find a good church experience and even find a wife. I'm looking for one more couple that's struggling in their marriage to be able to get in a group where people love on them and help them through it. I'm looking for one more person that's sitting out in that parking lot right now because they don't think they can walk in here who needs to be in here and a small group could reach them. I'm looking for one more person who's fallen off the wagon on drugs and their group's going to help them get back on it. And if we need to give them a ride to work for two or three months, we'll do it. We're looking for one more single mom who needs a place to fit into and some men to come around and support them. We're looking for one more. And my challenge this morning, are you going to join us in looking for one more? Maybe this morning you are the one more. The truth is, you've not surrendered your life to Jesus. And I'm telling you, this service will be a grand success if one more person comes to Jesus Christ. Or maybe you've lost your vision and you've lost your passion and you're just doing church. And some of you, please don't get offended with me, but you have truly become spiritual goof-offs. You just attend this deal. And that's it. And you think somehow you're going to grow. Or Satan's convinced you, you don't need to surround yourself with other people. My friends, maybe today's the day for you to say, you know what? It's not about me. I'm, I'm getting out of here and I'm going for one more. If you need to come today and let us pray for you, if you need to surrender your life to Jesus, why don't you come right now while we all stand and sing.